2, 1 John chapter 2. Let's stand together for the reading of the scriptures. You said, Reggie, we just read them a while ago. Well, it just so happens that's where we're at because we're preaching through. Thank you, Colt. I appreciate it. We're preaching through the uh, book of 1 John. And uh, man, I'm going to tell you something. If you want a book that will get the devil aggravated, get into 1 John. It will aggravate him. So uh, let's uh, read in 1 John there and chapter number 2. And I want to preach on two words today mostly. And this is going to be more of a teaching message for Christians as much as anything, but it'll also be evangelistic too. So hope you'll just really get in and learn today. Uh, to me, probably one of the greatest passages of Scripture in the Bible and uh, when it comes to realizing what we have in Christ. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 2, it says, my little children. Now he's talking to saved people here, my little children. You must be born again. You're not going to heaven until you're born into the family of God. Jesus said you must be born again. And at that moment, you become children of God. He said, Reggie, how do you do that? By calling upon, by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, believing on him that he suffered for you and died for you in your place, was buried and rose again, believing on him as your substitute for the payment of your sin. God births you into his family. You're born of the spirit. All right. Now, once you're born in the spirit, you have two natures. You have the old man, Bible talks in Colossians, the book of God, and the new man. The old man is your flesh nature. The new man is your spiritual. And there's two persons living within you. That's the truth. That's why the world doesn't understand. They get into psychology to try and understand all this stuff. You'll never understand it unless you get in the Bible. You're born of the flesh. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Galatians says the two are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay. You have two natures. By the way, that's given in the Old Testament. In Noah's ark, there was a raven and a dove. It is a picture of your old man and your new man. Even people in the Old Testament are a picture of the old man and the new man. And every day of your life, as a Christian, you're going to have a fight between the old man and the new man. Anybody, anybody knows that? Raise your hand. Amen. Every day you're going to have that. He said, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. He just got through telling you back in chapter one, we've been memorizing that uh, about confessing your sin. He said, if you say you don't have any sin, you deceive yourself. The truth's not in. Hey, Christians sin. There are no such thing as a Christian that never sins. And God says, if you say you don't, you're a liar. That makes some denominational teaching a lie. All right. So get this down. The reason this is important, because if you don't get this truth down, you will despair. You'll give up. You'll say, I don't understand. I, I, I just can't live it. On and on and on you go. Or you become deceptive to your own heart. All right. And you lie to yourself about what's going on. You start saying things that is not sin that is sin. You start redefining sin. Anyway, he said, these things are right that you sin not. God says, I don't want you to sin. And I'm writing these things to you so you won't sin. But then he says this, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. I want you to underline that. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and not a, but the righteous. The righteous. So first of all, he says we have an advocate. If we do sin, we have an advocate. Romans chapter 6 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. All right? Now, Look at verse number two. And he, Jesus Christ, the righteous, 
is the propitiation. Now I want you to notice something. He is not our propitiation. He is the propitiation. Very important here. So I'm going to write down a word here today on the, here, and I want us to learn this word. If I can spell it right. We're going to look at the word propitiation and the word advocate. And if you're a Christian here today, or if you're lost, I want you to know what you get and what you have if you ever get saved. If you're here today and you're saved, I want you to understand these are two of the most important words that a Christian could ever understand the Bible. As far as I'm concerned, the word propitiation is a mountain peak doctrinal word in the Bible that literally will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory when you understand it. Now, he said he is the propitiation for our sins. So it has something to do with our sins, doesn't it? And he said, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10. Here's this word propitiation. He said, verse number 10, herein is love, not that we love God, amen, amen. but that he loved us and sent, and sent his son to be what? The propitiation for our sins. I want you to notice very carefully, it doesn't say our propitiation, the propitiation. Now, I want you to go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And then we'll pray and you can be seated and I'm going to preach, uh, hope I can preach fast like a wild man. Amen. Esau was a wild man. I don't want to be Esau. Amen. But I want to preach fast. Romans chapter 3 and uh, verse number 21. Romans 3, 21. Everybody there say amen. amen. And now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Not all them that were baptized, confirmed, and catechized, and whatever. Upon them that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he said, there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One thing we all got in common, we're all sinners. Amen. Amen. Being justified, how? Freely. Freely. By his grace. Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Redemption means you were bought, purchased out of the slave market of sin. Verse number 25, watch this. Whom God has set forth to be a what? Propitiation. propitiation. There's the third time you've read that big word, propitiation. And how does it occur? Through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. It's his righteousness, not our righteousness. Through the forbearance of God. That's talking about the Old Testament, those sins in the Old Testament. He's telling how they were, how they were dealt with. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Lord, help us to preach in a way that would glorify God and aggravate the devil. Help us to preach plain and simple to where everybody in this church house and listening online can hear. And I'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Just a couple of things real quick. Uh, uh, we're we're going to take, just to encourage you, uh, we're, we've got the metal is being ordered to add on 25 feet on that in the building. We're going to have the room for about another 100, 125 seats over there. But that's not going to be happening probably till midwinter. 
We are on the 7th and 8th going to take out this entire ceiling. We're going to have a spray foam. It's going to change. I need about 15 to 20 men here on the 7th and 8th to do that. We have scheduled a foam uh, insulation guy that's coming on the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Going to spray insulation. It's going to change this whole room. And so, but anyway, get on that. I got to preach. Amen. All right. Here we go. I want to take your Bibles now to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. What you're going to see in this passage of Scripture in verse number 1, the Bible said, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives early, uh, went out of the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again unto the temple. Now, I want you to realize he came to the place where people were worshiping God. He came to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, watch what happens in the middle of this church service. I'm telling you, wouldn't you be shocked today if somebody right in the middle of my preaching come dragging a woman, about five or six or ten men come dragging a woman up through this aisle and come up here and say, Reggie, we caught this woman in adultery right in the very act. I said, boy, you guys got in close, didn't you? I said, we caught her in the very act of adultery. And Moses said to stone her. What do you say? And the Bible said that they were accused, they, they'd said this not to, watch this, not to accuse her, but him. Read your Bible. They brought this one, they come dragging her in the middle of church service. And so we got us an adulteress and so we caught her in the very act. And I've always wondered why didn't they catch the guy? But anyway, here they come. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taking adultery. And when they had set her in the midst... They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken adultery in the very act. And verse number five says, Now Moses and the law commanded thou shouldest be stoned. What sayest thou? Now I want to tell you something right now. That's a lie. Moses had not said any such thing that you get one of the adulterous people and stone them. The Bible said both of them. And so these guys were twisting and resting the scriptures to their own destruction and to hurt people and harm people. And they were wrong about what they said and they were lying about what they said. Now, it's amazing. Anyway, verse number five, verse number five. Now, most of the law commanded us to be stoned. What says thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to do what? Accuse him. You see, it wasn't about the woman. They didn't care about adultery. I figure one of them guys was the guy that was committing adultery with us. What I always figured. I don't know that, but I figured it was. That's how hypocritical they were. They just wanted to trap up Jesus. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground. You say, Reggie, what did he write? I'm not sure. But I think that he wrote Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 10. I think he wrote down Deuteronomy 22, 22, where it said that you have to cut the man and the woman adultery. You put both of them to death, but never one. All right. Verse number uh, seven. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse number eight, he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. Short message, amen. And they which heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. The older you get, the less you know, but you know one thing, you're not sinless. Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want you to look at the next verse. Jesus said, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And Jesus is just showing the light of truth and righteousness on that whole situation is what happened there. 
Now I want to talk to you this morning about this, that in this scene, you're going to see what we have there in first John chapter five. What you have here is first of all, you've got an adulteress. If I can figure out how to spell it. And then you've got some accusers. All right. And then you have an adversary. But bless God Almighty, you've got an advocate. I don't even have spelled day. And my deal don't work either. You've got an advocate. And then you have an acceptance. And I want you to get something today I'm going to preach on here. First of all, number one, if you want to write this down, whatever. You and I all fit in where this woman was. Adultery is a big word. Adultery in its primary sense, is where you're married and you're unfaithful to your spouse and commit adultery. Now, Jesus said you, can, you don't even have to do that physically. You can do that mentally and you're guilty of adultery. All right? So I'm telling you, that covers a lot of ground. Amen? That'll, that'll make you leave too. All right? So we're all sinners. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. The Bible clearly teaches that we are all, the word adulterous can be moved out into all manner of that which perverts the holiness of God. Amen. It goes way beyond what you and I consider about just adultery. Yeah. I can adulter, they were adultering the law of Moses. That's right. They were perverting it. Does everybody get that? These men were guilty of what they were accusing her of because they were adultering the Bible. They were perverting God's word. And you and I, everybody is guilty before God. The Bible says, whatsoever things the law says, they say it to them that are the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before all God, God Almighty. You and I are just in the same shape as you. And if you're listening online, you're in here today, I'm telling you something. You've got a problem. And that is that you are an adulterer. You're a rebel against Almighty God. You've sinned against God. You've sinned against the government of God. And in the government of God, the payment of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But he said, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin is not a little thing or a light thing. It will send you to hell. And anybody that doesn't have their sin taken care of is going to go to hell. You better get this. So what's the devil do? He's going to come up with 47 different ways for you to think of dealing with your sin. And we're going to get this a little bit now. All of us have perverted the holy laws of God. All of us are in trouble with God. The Bible said that we're condemned already. Not going to be condemned, we're condemned already. All of us are under the wrath of God. You know, it's amazing to me, you can't hear a message on the wrath of God. I mean, if you, if you took the Department of Justice and the FBI looking for Donald Trump's records, you couldn't find a, a message on the wrath of God in this country. You know, you, you go, look at it, listen to TV, listen to radio, look, listen to prayer. They don't preach on the wrath of God anymore. And thus, nobody needs a savior that redeems and nobody needs this advocate because they don't sin anymore. Nobody's a sinner. Nobody's going to hell anymore. Yet Jesus says, straight as the gate and there is way, and few there be that find it. Amen. Jesus said, broad is the road that lead to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Most people are going to hell. Just well be honest about it. Yeah. Right. You got, we're under the condemnation of Almighty God. We're under the wrath of God. So what do we do about it? Now, this is where the accusers come in. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. These men are a picture of the accusations. Now, you hang on your seat right here with me. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible literally implies strongly in the book of Job. You see, Satan was accusing Job. Here's what he said. He said, the only reason Job serves you is what he can get out of you. You bless him. That's why he serves you. 
Are you listening to me? Now we're talking about my little children. I write these things in, do you sin not? But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He was saying that Job's sin is that he is serving God for what he can get out of God. And he accused him of that. And so God said, all right, we'll put him to the test. See what's going on. This is what's going on in your life, by the way. If you're a Christian, this is what goes on a lot in your life. You will be accused before God, and God will allow Satan to exercise the validity of that accusation. Now, the truth about it is, when Satan tells the Lord, I'm a sinner, he's telling the truth for once. Amen? If he says, I'm, I'm telling the truth. But let me say further, there's not just the devil as an accuser and adversary to you. The Satan, our adversary, goes about seeking who he may devour. But your conscience can accuse you. Do you know why some of you do not live in victory? Because of your conscience. And you say, well, Reggie, my conscience bothered me because I, because I did something wrong. That's right. Okay. But it accused you and God designed it that way. The world will accuse you. People will accuse you. You have accusers all around you. So here's the first thing. We're all adulteresses in the fact that we're all sinners. We're all going to be accused and we all have an adversary. But here's what I want to preach you. The Bible said, if any man sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to give you some good news. Now, you listen to me real good. I am not talking about turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. I am not talking about uh, a license to sin. But I want to tell you something right now. You are not an adequate advocate, nor am I, nor is any priest, nor is anybody the advocate for you before Almighty. You say, Richard, what's an advocate? An advocate is one who represents you to God, one who takes up your case. It's literally in a court of criminal law where you've been accused, one who stands up and pleads your case and defends you. I want you to know something about your Savior today. And I have a heart that this is different preaching than I kind of do. It's just, it's just, but it's a Bible truth and it's got to be preached. And I, I rejoice in it, but it's not easy for me. What this means is that if any man sin, God says, I don't want you to sin. But if you do, I want you to know something. Are you listening to me? Right. That you as a child of God have an advocate. Amen. One who is going to stand up for you before the throne of God and plead your case. And defend your, against the accusations of your enemy, against the accusations of your own conscience, against the accusations of the adversary, that this morning we can praise his holy name because Christ is not just our Savior who died in our place for our sin, but he is our advocate who ever lives to make intercession for us. I'm telling you something this morning. God knows Reg Kelly ain't perfect. Amen. He knows I'm a preacher and I'm a sorry. I'm worse sinner in this church house this morning. But I've got an advocate. I'm going to be honest with you. If I didn't have this truth, I'd lay my Bible down, walk out of this church house and say, I can't make it. I can't live it. I'll never be good enough. I'll never obey enough. I'll never be faithful enough. I'll never meet up. And you don't either. But we have an advocate. And it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. You know what? That's a singular, that's a specific singular person. That nobody else in the world is wholly, totally righteous except Jesus Christ. And because he is righteous, he never does anything wrong, ever. And he's totally righteous. And in that righteousness, he can righteously defend Reg Kelly. Next year, how does he do that? This is where the word propitiation comes in. Now, what's propitiation? Boy, this is a glorious truth. 
The reason it doesn't say he is our propitiation is because we don't, it wouldn't do us any good to be propitiated. What's propitiated mean? Propitiations, again, I was going to say this and pound it home to you. If you could see a mountain peak of words in the Bible that are joyfully precious to you as a child of God, it's this word. It would be that peak. What it means is this, is that God the Father's wrath and holiness and his punishment against sin has been satisfied in the finished work, redemptive work of Jesus Christ. It means God is satisfied in the payment of your sin. It means that the note has been stamped, paid in the blood of Jesus Christ, and God is totally and absolutely satisfied the debt is paid. Perpetuated. Here's what had to happen. God had to be propitiated. That's why it says the propitiation. That Christ is the propitiation for our sin. Now you get this. You say, Reggie, what satisfies God about my sin? I don't know. I just want to say, I got so much. What satisfies God? I want to tell you this. Maybe, maybe you're like me. You grew up and you thought, well, my good works and how good I live will satisfy God. Maybe in the end I'll be saved. What satisfies God against our sin? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. You reforming, you reforming will not satisfy God. You living better will not satisfy God. Now I'm talking about salvation here. You listen, I'm not talking about service to God. I'm talking about salvation. You getting baptized in water does not satisfy God as far as the wrath of God against your sin. That's an act of obedience after you're saved. Good intentions do not satisfy God. Pretended holiness does not satisfy God. Dressing modestly does not satisfy the just demands of the holy God. Not drinking beer and liquor does not satisfy the just demands of the holy God. Not, not poking yourself in the needle and say, I quit, I quit doing d- dope. That doesn't satisfy the just demands of the holy God. Quitting chewing Copenhagen or chewing tobacco, that doesn't satisfy the just demands of the holy God. You going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 55 years in a row does not satisfy the just demands of the holy God against your sin. These for sin cannot atone. Thou must save and thou alone. There's nothing you can do to satisfy the just demands. of. Did you know that? There's not a one thing in this world you can do to satisfy the just demands of a holy God against your sin. Rituals, church membership, zeal. Could my zeal, no languor, no. Could my tears, your tears won't satisfy. You can say, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so sorry for God. Oh God, I'm in trouble. Oh God, that don't satisfy God. Can I tell you something? This will rock your boat. You walking up through this aisle or the aisle of any church in this world and you walking up the front of the church and crying does not appease the wrath of Almighty God. Amen. People can weep and cry all the time over the, they're sorry for their sin, but they, do you have, have you believed on Lord Jesus Christ? You see, you crying and you feeling bad about your sins not going to save you. 
quitting this and quitting that and doing this and doing that is not going to satisfy none of the. And here's what's going on across America and the world. The devil's telling people that if you'll just do these things, if you'll follow my little list, it might satisfy God in the end. You memorize the scripture. It doesn't make any difference what you come up with. Creeds. What's this? He that endureth to the end shall be saved. All right. So what you're saying is that you enduring to the end appeases the wrath of God. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. By the way, let me just throw this out. That phrase is found in Matthew 13 and Matthew chapter 24. And it's about the tribulation period. And it's about your flesh, not your spirit. It's not even have to do with your salvation of your spirit and soul. Now let's just get really real. I want to make a public challenge today to preachers all over Missouri. You tell people all the time they can lose their salvation. If they've genuinely been saved, been born, but you tell them they can lose their salvation. And you tell them, I want you to, I'm going to tell you preachers, you listen to me right now. I'm going to ask you next Sunday to get in front of your church and get honest with your people for the first time in your life. And I want you to tell them from the Bible what sins it is that causes them to lose their salvation and how many times they've got to commit it. And get the verse. When you tell them they've got to endure to the end, endure what? Quit lying to your people. Quit holding them in bondage by, well, maybe I did something and lost my salvation. I'm not sure. And we had had our fall revival and I got rededicated and got born. Did you get born? How many times do you get born again? How many times can that happen to you? You don't like a straight preaching. You can go somewhere else. Amen. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to preach Christ and Christ alone. I'm not preaching this garbage stuff of about your works and your law satisfying and appeasing God. There's nothing I've ever done. I can preach a thousand years and I would never, never appease the wrath of God against my sin. There's only one thing that ever paid for my sin and that's the sacrifice and the blood and the offering of his son Jesus Christ in my place for my sin. Nothing. Nothing else pays for my sin. I could go to the mission field for 50 years and die and go to hell trusting in how good I am. This world needs to hear this. Why don't you preachers start getting honest with your people? If you believe they can lose their salvation, if you really believe it's in them enduring and them living it, tell them what they got to do to live it. And tell them when they've lost it. And tell them when they got it again. And tell them how many times the Bible says you got to be born again. Come on. This is nonsense. And we're afraid to preach on it because we don't offend any preachers out here. We don't offend any church people. Well, you ask them, how many sins is it you got to do before you lose it? Well, I don't know, but you'll know. Oh, really? Well, if I trust my own mind, I wouldn't even know Jesus. I want to know from the Bible. I want to know. Now, you listen to me. I'm not preaching lasciviousness. I'm not preaching license sin because he said, these things right on you that you sin not. But if any man does sin, I have an advocate. And let me tell you what happens. Oh, Reggie sins. The Bible just taught you in chapter one that if I sin, I'm to confess that sin. Right? I know talking about as a Christian. Okay? I'm to confess it. And he said, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's how he deals. See, God deals with an unsaved person differently than with a saved person. Until you're saved, you're not a child of God. After you're saved, you're a child of God and he deals with you as a son. And he chastises you, whoop you, if you don't confess your sin. All right? Now, you listen to me. He says, I write these things that you sin not. 
He's not wanting you to go out and sin and say, well, bless God, I can just go live like one to. That's not Bible. Amen. You were created under true righteousness and holiness, what the Bible says. Created under good works. God didn't save you to go out and live like the devil. Amen. And by the way, if his spirit's within you, there'll be something in you to deal with you. Amen. Right. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When Reg Kelly sins and he does sin, you know what happens in heaven? The devil comes up and says, look at there. That's a preacher. Look, God, what he did. And I'm going to tell you what your Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Christ ever liveth, ever liveth to make intercession. You know what he does, brother? Now, I want you to get this. I don't understand this, but I, I think I know why, but I can't compre- really comprehend it all. When Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, when Thomas came in and said he wouldn't believe, Jesus said, take your hands and thrust them into my side. And he said, look, and you know that, did you know that Jesus' glorified body has the marks of his punishment on them? And here's what the deal is. I don't know why I could be. Brother, would you come up here? Brother Mayberry, he's a big, he might whoop me, and you ain't much littler, but anyway. Here, here's what happens. I'll tell you what, Brother Mayberry, would you, would you help? Would you get in that chair and would you get in this chair here? I want to show you what happens when you get saved. I'll tell you what, this will bless your heart. Come over here, Brother. Brother. All right. And Brother Mayberry, you're going to be Jesus. Be the best you can, okay? <laughs> And here's what happened. You're going to be lost sinner. All of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But the Lord dealt with him. He realized he was sinner. He began to look for a way to be saved, how to be forgiven. And he heard the gospel that Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross and was buried and rose again. Shed his blood to pay for the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it all. Right? So he hears that. And he raised the white flag toward heaven and says, I want to be saved. And he hears that if you just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God will save you. And he does that. Now, what's God do? Over here's Jesus. He's never sinned. He's the righteous. I want you guys to switch seats. That's what happens. Jesus takes his sin and the punishment for his sin. He gets the righteousness of Christ and the life of Christ. It's in Romans chapter 4. It's called imputed righteousness. And God the Father imputes to him the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he is no longer sitting in the seat of condemnation. Does that make sense? He's been saved. And all you've got to do to be saved is call on the Lord Jesus Christ. God have mercy upon me and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he'll save you. And you know what God did? He imputed his sin, my sin, to Christ. And that's why the Bible teaches Christ is a sin bearer. Watch 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. Didn't say we should live under sinfulness, did it? Because we're saved, we ought to live under righteousness. But here's what happened. Christ took your place. Now this is so simple, even. You'd get this if you was in a court of law. $100,000 fine. I ain't got it. Somebody walks up and says, I'll pay for it. And you can go free. Now, I want you to hear what happens. 
when that happens, he becomes the perpetuation. And God says, watch this now, that God says, I am satisfied that the debt has been paid in my son's blood. There are no more charges against him. He walks out of the court of God, a free man, a justified man, a redeemed man, a reconciled man. Now you're hearing the gospel today, whether you know it or not. And the Holy Spirit of God bursts this in this man who believed a new creature. And the Bible says he's created in true righteousness and true holiness. And this man now has two natures. He has his old man. And that's why the wrote in 1 John 2, these things are right unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. So I'm going to be the devil. That's easy for me to play. And I'm going to accuse him. Have you been good to your wife all week long? Would you care to tell the congregation what you did? (laughs) But I'm going to be the devil. And let's say that you had some thoughts that just absolutely weren't, you wouldn't want nobody to know. And the devil says to Father, look what he's thinking. He accuses us. Does anybody know what goes on in heaven? What goes on in heaven? Stand up. There you go. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is our advocate. And he ever lives to make intercession. And he holds them hands up that shows the nail scars. And he shows the, 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 the piercing in the side. And what he says is the bill has been paid in full forever for all sin and he is justified by the blood of Christ he is reconciled by the death of Christ and God is propitiated and God looks down and says that suits me just fine I'm, now watch this God says Reggie I, your, your preaching don't, don't, don't clear you of your sin your living good don't cleanse you of your sin Dressing right don't cleanse you of your sin. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sin. Amen. And I'll tell you what this morning, and if you're as bad a sinner as I am, this would mean something to you. I know you all good. You just never do nothing wrong. But I tell you, I'm so wicked, this makes me want to jump for joy. No. That when I sin, I have an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the perpetuation for my sin. He satisfied the just demands of a holy God. And his blood paid for my sin. And there's, watch, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And I'll show you where God tells you about it. Put that up on the board. Guys, thank you so much. Did anybody, did, did, you guys can take them chairs back. Romans chapter 8. My land of living. I tell you what, this is so good. Make a Presbyterian shout. Amen. Yeah. I'll tell you what's going to happen to some of you guys. You're going to sit here and you're going to think, well, my sin ain't that bad and nobody knows about it. God might, I'm not sure. Someday it's going to hit you how wicked you really are. And it's going to hit you how desperately need you're going to need the advocate when, before the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse number uh, 31. Let's go to verse number, yeah, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us? 
Can the adversary, can the, hey, when this woman was caught in adultery and the accusers came to her and Jesus said what? I'm for her. Who could be against her? If God's for you, who can be against you? Who can accuse you? If you're saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ, made a child of God by faith, given eternal life, who can be against you? Why? Because of an advocate that stands before the Father and ever lives to make intercession for you. Look now at verse 32. If God be for us, who can be against us? He, watch this. Well, watch this. He despaired not his own son, but delivered him up for us. Oh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. That's a court term. Justification is being declared innocent. Declared not guilty. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to accuse you? Say, Reggie, what are you? You're just beating this in the ground. Yeah, I am. Because it needs to be beating the ground. Some of you this morning, you're in bondage. I'm going to tell you why you're in bondage. Because you really think in the end it's going to be how well you live. And you don't know the gospel. And I didn't know the gospel. And I was, you know, I, I, I like, we yeah, okay, I'm saved, but boy, I hope I live good enough. Hope I live good enough. Hope I live good enough. It's not Bible. I hope I make it. It's not Bible. Now we'll give you the last day. And that's this right here. But let's finish Romans 8, 831. Let's look at this. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? Can I be honest with you this morning? If I didn't have the whole of this truth... Brother Shane, right? if God hadn't shown me this truth, I'd quit the ministry. And I'm going to tell you why I'd quit the ministry. Because I can't live good enough. Amen. Now, I'm not going to be some preacher who gets up here and puts on a Sunday show for you and act like I don't ever do anything wrong. The truth about it is it'll come out in judgment. I'm, I'm probably the most wicked man in this auditorium. But you know the difference between I have an advocate. But if I hadn't got a hold of this truth, Brother Shane, I'd quit the ministry, and here's why. Because if I was depending on my performance to propitiate God, be no may, be no hope. And what God has done to me, Brother Danny, he has broken me. And God said, Reggie, here's your problem. You still have some of that rotten, low-down self-righteousness embedded in you that somehow or another you think it's how well you live and you need to be broken of it. Let me tell you what needs to be preached in this country, and that's the legs need to be knocked out from all the self-righteousness going on in this country. Because I'm telling you, self-righteousness will kill you. It's the righteousness of Christ alone that saves. And that's why no man can lay anything to the charge of God's elect, because God has been propitiated, and he is satisfied. I'm going to tell you something. Brother, if God's satisfied, I really don't care what you think. Amen. 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 
If God is satisfied, I can care less what all the people around here think. Somebody told me this week about somebody that they talked to and said, he don't like you, Reggie. I'm joining the crowd, amen. I'll give you a membership card. <laughs> hey, Reggie car- Club, amen. Like the Mickey Mouse Club. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'll admit that I'm a sinner, but I'm going to tell you what I also admit, that I've got a Savior, and He is my advocate, and He's never lost a case. In the, I, I, talked to, I talked to an attorney this week. I was needing some legal work done on a quiet title. And he said, Reggie, it'd be all right. I said, I've done quiet titles for years and years. said, so I've never lost a case yet. I thought, well, Jesus ain't never lost a case either. Amen. He's never lost a case. You know why? Because his blood, Amen. not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son Amen. to be the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. If it ever hits you, that Jesus Christ is your complete advocate and that he is your propitiation. He's what satisfies the just demands of a holy God in the court of God Almighty and not what you do and not what you are and not what you've done or going to do your good intentions and not your baptism and not your church membership and all that junk. I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll have an old time Holy Ghost shout and spell and say, bless God Almighty. I've got an advocate and I have a propitiation and God's satisfied in Jesus Christ, not satisfied in who I am, what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. Amen. Colossians, put Colossians 1, 6 up and I give you the last day. Colossians 1. Wait, 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 wait. We didn't finish Romans 12, 8. Hang on. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 again. He said there, verse 34, who is he that condemneth this Christ that died? Yea, rather is risen again. Who is at the right hand? My goodness, I about left the best part. I about missed the ice cream, Brother Paul. Look at the ice cream verse, verse 34. Everybody there? Who is he that condemneth? You, the devil, other people? It is Christ that died. He's the propitiation. Yea, rather that's risen again. God's satisfied in that. You know why God raised him from the dead? Because he's satisfied with his death. Who is even, where at? Where's Christ at? At the right hand of God. And what's he doing? Who also make intercession, not against us, for us. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know what a man had to preach around here to get some of you happy in Christ. Amen. I tell you, some of you all be on top of the piece and bless God Almighty, I got a propitiation. Amen. Look at verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword, as written for thy sake, were killed all the day long, or count sheep of slaughter? Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Josh Jesus, our Lord. And you know why that's all there? Because he's our propitiation. Amen. That's what that's all about. Now go to Colossians 1 6. Colossians 1 6. That ain't right. Try 16. See if I can get there. Anybody know where it says we're accepted in the beloved? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Ephesians 1 6. Ephesians 1 6. I got Colossians. Ephesians 1 6. Now, once you get this, watch this. You and I. Our adulterers, we're sinners in the sight of God. We have an accuser and we have adversaries. But we have a what? Advocate. And that advocate is our propitiation before God. 
It's the advocacy, the, the perpetuation is how he's our advocate. But we have acceptance. Now I want you to get this. Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us what, everybody? Accepted in the beloved. Now I want to tell you, isn't this sweet? Can anybody tell me anything about Mary Magdalene? Tell me a history of Mary Magdalene. Did you know? Yeah, she's a harlot. And more than a harlot, she was demon-possessed. She had seven devils cast out of her. Let me tell you who Jesus saves. He saves sinners. Amen. People who know they're sinners. God will not and cannot save a self-righteous man until he gets his self-righteousness knocked out and he sees his need of a savior, a substitute, a sacrifice, a sin bearer, one who can save him. I want you to go home today with this in your heart. Lord Jesus, you didn't just die for me. You just didn't save. You just didn't shed your blood for me. You just didn't raise from the dead. But you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, we're not going to go there on account of time's sake today, but Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10 is the whole thing about where we have a high priest. And through this high priest, we have access to God through him. I was talking to a, a man uh, who, was, who was sincere, and he was a Roman Catholic, and he came to my house. We sat down at the table, and, he, and we opened the Bibles, and he was... He won't know what I believe and why I believe it. And I showed him over there in Timothy where it says, for there's one mediator. Listen to me. Well, listen to me. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay. And I said, if there's one man and that man is Christ Jesus, what's these priests doing that you go, to, that you go and confess to? He said, I don't know. I said, by your own mouth and admission, you believe the Bible to be the word of God. And it's true. But you, he said, I've never been told that verse in my life. I want to encourage you today. No priest, no preacher. Nobody else can save you. Only him. And we came to worship him today. And I'll tell you what, I want to worship him. He's my advocate. And he's righteous. And he's my propitiation. I've never done one thing, Brother Mayberry, to satisfy God's wrath against my sin. But Jesus paid it all. And this is one of the most freeing truths you'll ever get a hold of. He's your perpetuation. It's not you. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop. I'm saved now. Now, let's step out of that for just a second into service and living for God. Now is when I need to please him. Now is when I need to obey him. But I'm not doing those things. Are you listening? To be saved. I'm doing those things because I am saved. Does that make sense? Don't ever think you're doing things to be or to keep saved. You're doing what you ought to do because you are saved. Okay. I want to ask you a question today. Is Jesus Christ your advocate? One of these days, listen to what the Bible says, Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. You're going to judgment, and I'm going to judgment. The question I have for you today is, when you get to judgment, do you have an advocate? Don't come running up to me. I won't do you no good. Everybody in this building today is either has an advocate or you do not have an advocate at judgment. Don't try being your own advocate. The only advocate that Almighty God allows is Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you today, if he's not your advocate, would you right now in your heart say, Lord Jesus, 
I want you to be my advocate. I want you to be my Savior. In order to be your advocate, you need to believe on him as your Savior. And that's just faith like a little child. Say, little Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And place your faith in Jesus Christ that he died for you on the cross, shed his blood, and satisfied the just demands of God against sin and rebellion in the blood of his son. God is satisfied with that. The main thing I want you to get out of this message is that God the Father is only satisfied in his son's blood for our sins. It's the only thing that's satisfied. Nothing else will. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad you don't have a yoke on you today? <laughs> you know, aren't you glad, Mother Baby Bird, that I said, now you have four bad thoughts this, year, this week. You're going to drop off. You're going to lose your salvation. You have to get saved all over again next Sunday. You want to tell you what's going to happen to us. Don't sit there and lie to me and tell me how holy you are. I'll have your wife stand up and testify, and she'll tell everybody the truth. <laughs> you ain't perfect. You ain't sinless, and you know it. Him to do good and doeth it not to him is sin. What are you going to do with that one? Love thy neighbor as thyself. (laughs) Do you love the neighbor as yourself? Give me all your money, everything you own. Did you know that? People talk about that, and we ought to and all that. But you know know why that is given to you? Because you can't keep it. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. You've never done that in your life. Come on. You've never done that in your life. You know it. And those are the two which all the rest of them hang on. So when you broke those two, the rest of them fell off and you're standing there naked for God in trouble. The only hope we have is Christ, our advocate and our propitiation. Amen. Boy, I'll tell you what, y'all just go home skipping. Amen. I know I ain't no good. I know I ought to have been in hell, but I've got an advocate. I've got a propitiation, and he satisfied the just demands of a holy God. And I tell you, if that don't do it, nothing else will, so I'm going to be happy anyway. Amen. Amen. I'm standing to go home today. Amen. I will tell you something. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved fast. Amen.